Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. So one day, Jesus' disciples approached him, and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Not teach us to heal people of their diseases. Not teach us to raise people from the dead. Not even teach us how to turn water into wine and a couple of loaves and fishes into a really huge banquet because that would make for a really, really good dinner party. No, they came into Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Of course, they, they knew how to pray already, right? They'd been praying their whole lives. But when the disciples saw Jesus pray, they realized they didn't know how to pray at all. And of course, we know how to pray, don't we? A lot of us pray all the time. According to a Gallup poll, anyway, four out of five adults report that they, we, pray at least once a week. But I don't think it's stepping out on a limb too much to to say that I think most of us can relate to the disciples. We don't feel like we really know how to pray. Not really. I was thinking about it, and I, I think that for some of us, Prayer is, is kind of like a necktie, or, or for women, I think pantyhose anymore, right? Like a necktie is something that you put on, and pantyhose is something that you put on when you really have to, but you, nobody really wants to. Nobody's like, yay, I get to wear a tie today. Like when you get home from work, it's not like you're putting the tie on. Most people are taking it off, right? Some of us, prayer is like that. We pray when we have to. You know, when we're at church or at grandma's house. And, and prayer, it's kind of a, it's a duty. We close our eyes, we bow our heads. And, and if we're really, really feeling spiritual, we'll even pay attention while the prayer is being said by the pastor or grandma or whoever it is. But it's a formality. It's something we put on, we do just when we really have to. For some of us, uh, prayer is kind of more like, you know, with this bag of rubber bands we carry around, Right? It, a prayer is something we, we just kind of shoot off when it comes to mind. We're not really sure where it goes or what happens to it, but we shoot it out and, you know, let it, let it be what it'll be. You know, so that's probably that once a week, the Gallup poll people who say that, yeah, it's just kind of there. We're just like, God, you know, help me with this. God, take care of that. And, you know, it's off wherever it's going to go. Right? Prayer are some things like that. Or for others, you know, prayer is this emergency kit. Some of us, you know, have these in our closet or sometimes in the back of our car. Like, if something happens that's out of our control, somebody's bleeding, a tire blows out, something something that we really need some help with, we, we know it's there. And we're really glad that we know it's there. But it's mostly just there in the back of the car. We don't really use it all that much. We haven't even checked to see if it actually has, like, up-to-date materials in it. it. Hopefully it works if we need it. But most of the time, we feel like we're in control, so... It can just stay where it is unless we need it. Here's the thing about prayers like that, about the necktie prayer, about the, the rubber band prayer, the, the emergency kit prayer. They're not 
I don't mean to say, at least from God's perspective, they're not bad. These, these kind of prayers, they don't hurt God. God is gracious and loving, and over and over again, the witness of Scripture is that God accepts all of our prayers. God loves all of our prayers. God receives all of our prayers. These kind of prayers, they don't hurt God, but I think they do have the potential to hurt us. Or at least they don't help us. They don't really do anything for us. They don't grow our faith. They don't connect us more deeply in relationship with God. They just kind of do, don't do anything for us at all. So the bad news is, most of us, if we're honest, we got to admit we don't feel like we're all that good at prayer. But the really good news is we have access to somebody who was arguably the best prayer there ever was. Somebody who, by his teaching and by his example, teaches us to pray. So we're going to learn from him in this next few weeks, following in our year-long series of following Jesus together. For these next four weeks, we're going to follow Jesus' prayers learning directly from the master himself how we ourselves can pray. So starting out today, we're going to learn from what is probably the best-known prayer there is, taught by Jesus. It's recorded both in Matthew and in Luke, a time when the disciples came to Jesus, said, teach us to pray, and this is what he taught them. As Matthew tells it, Jesus said this. He said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know about you all, but i got to say, most of my prayers don't typically start in that way. A lot of my prayers on most days start with, you know, dear God, help me with, or hey God, could you please just do this for me, or, or God, I really, really need fill in the blank common denominator in, in all of those phrases is it's a whole lot of I and me. But that's not how Jesus' prayers start. Definitely gets there. The second half of Jesus' prayer is all about how God provides for my, for our needs, and we're going to talk about that next week. But I want you to notice first how this prayer starts. Jesus' prayer doesn't start with, I want, I need. It doesn't start with me at all. Jesus' prayer starts with God. I think there's some folks who didn't get the memo about online Sunday school. <laughs> Betsy's on it. Jesus' prayers don't start with I or me. They start with God. Because here's a reality that's really important to remember when we're learning about prayer. Who we believe we are praying to has the power to dramatically affect how and what we pray. Who we believe we are praying to has the power to dramatically affect how and what we pray. And so Jesus wants us to know the God that he knows, a God to whom we can pray, in, pray to intimately, expectantly, and with complete surrender. So to start out with, Jesus says that when we pray, we are to pray our Father, which is to say that we are invited to pray intimately, to pray to a God who invites us to call him Father, but not Father kind of in a, a formal sense. Jesus uses this Hebrew word Abba, which in, in that culture, it's, it's, it's Daddy, it's Dad. 
It's one of the first words any Hebrew-speaking child ever utters. Abba, Dada, that's who we're invited to pray to. You know, thinking about this brought back uh, one of my favorite memories uh, from when Eleanor was really, really little, probably just about one and a half years old. Um, every morning when we'd get up and get ready to go, this was in a, a season where Dave was spending a lot of time in Princeton, so it was just me and her in our little house in Malvern. And I'd get her up in the morning, get her ready, get her dressed, and, and we'd around nine o'clock leave to, to go to her babysitter's house and, and me to work. But before we'd go, there was this stretch of time, at least a month or two, where every single morning before we left the house, she was dressed, I was dressed, we were ready, but we would sit on the couch, and there was this big bay window that we'd just sit on the couch together and snuggle and just kind of look out the window and just be for like a good five minutes. And I I know, because I could tell, if I let it go longer than that, she'd go all day. She would just sit in my arms and snuggle. We weren't doing anything. We weren't saying anything. We were just sitting and being together. And one of the days that we were doing that, it just occurred to me, like, as delighted as I am as her mom in this time that we're spending together, just doing nothing, being together, how much more delighted is God to spend that time with me, doing nothing, saying nothing, just being together. Our God, our Father, wants us to come to him like that, to come intimately. Jesus teaches us that prayer can be like climbing up in the lap of the most loving Father we can imagine and letting him wrap his arms around us. There's no formality here. There's no distance. There's no fear. So just thinking through this a little bit more, I think we just learn so well from our own kids what it means to approach God as Father. So I just want to kind of dig into that a little bit. If Jesus says that we can pray to, our, 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 to God as if he is our Father, if we can pray intimately, that means we can come to him with ruthless honesty. Another Eleanor story, we will never let her or Dave forget that one day, probably uh, maybe around two years old, she looks up at Dave one day and she says, she says, Dad, I like your eyebrows. They're very fluffy, like sheeps. This is what she said, ruthless honesty. Kids tell their parents what they are thinking no matter what. You know, it's funny, we think in prayer sometimes with God we have to filter our words, right? Like, like we, we take that mantra we teach to our kids. If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all, right? We think we have to approach God like that. But I don't, I don't think that's true because if God is my father, then I don't have to worry about that. I can pray whatever is there, good or bad or very, very ugly. I can pray with ruthless honesty. So Jesus says, I can pray to God as my Father. So then that also means I can pray with fearless transparency. Our three-year-old Meg is, is very uh, good at, at this. She is just herself in every moment, no matter what. Whatever bodily function she has just experienced, whatever word has just come to mind, whatever song she wants to sing and dance she wants to do to go with it, that girl is herself no matter what. I have some very good videos that I can use for her later as blackmail in her life. But for right now, she's just herself. And that teaches me, me something, and it's a little bit similar to ruthless honesty when it comes to God, but it goes a little deeper than that. Praying with fearless transparency means that we don't just have to worry about what we say, but we don't have to worry about who we are in prayer with God. 
We can be cranky and angry in prayer. And I'll tell you, sometimes I am. We can be joyful and thankful in prayer, and sometimes I am. We can be sad, we can be mad, we can be glad. You get the point. Whatever you're feeling, whatever is going on, you can come before God in prayer and tell him what that feeling is, even if what that feeling is is, hey, God, I don't even want to pray right now. Jesus says we can be ourselves with God. There is no reason to fear, no reason to hide. God, our Father, invites us to come to him with fearless transparency. Jesus says, I can pray to God as my Father, which means I can come with ruthless honesty, with fearless transparency and unhindered affection. I do this thing with Ben. I will do it until I'm 80 years old. If he wants anything from me ever, from a piece of gum to you know, help putting on his socks, whatever it is, I, I make him before I help him. I just, he knows what this means now. I just go, what do you need to tell me? And he comes and kisses me on my cheek, and he says, you're the best mom ever. I have trained him to say this. He didn't come with this on his own. I say, come kiss me on my cheek, tell me I'm the best mom ever. And now I just need to go, I'm sorry, what? and then I'll give him his piece of gum or his socks. It's blatant forced affection, and I will take it. But the reality is with Ben, I don't actually need to do that. That He is probably our most uh, affective kid. He is our most loving, affectionate kid. He just comes up to us, and what's way better than the forced kiss on the cheek and compliment is the times that he does it on his own, where I'm not asking him, where he just comes up and wraps us in a hug, either one of us, and just tells us how much he loves us. And he does that out of the goodness of his own heart, but he also does it because we model that for him, for all our kids. We love them, and they come back and love us in return. And Jesus invites us to pray like that, to receive the love that God has for us, and then love him right back with unhindered affection. Jesus teaches us to pray intimately with ruthless honesty, fearless transparency, and unhindered affection. He also teaches us to pray expectantly. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praying expectantly begins with praising God, using every adjective we can think for him. God, you are holy. God, you are mighty. You are good. You are loving. You control the world, all that is seen and unseen, the wind and the waves, the freezing rain or the not freezing rain, the sun, the moon, and the stars. You hold the whole world in your hands. See how many ways that you can praise God for how big he is, how powerful he is, how good he is. There is nothing that God cannot handle. There is nothing that God cannot do. All things are possible with God. And if that's true then, if that's true about God, then quite naturally we can pray expectantly. We can expect big things from God. We will ask for impossible things with confidence because we are praying to a big, eternal, powerful God who is able to do far abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. I say that. But I'll tell you, it's hard for me sometimes. I don't know about you. It's hard for me to pray big, expectant prayers because I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be asked for these things. 
and not get them. I love it when it happens, when I pray a big expectant prayer and the answer is, is yes, but I don't want to be disappointed when the answer is no. Several years ago, right around actually this time of year, I was a, uh, just a couple weeks away from traveling with a group from this church to go visit our mission partners in Egypt. And I was really, really excited to go. It was one of those things, I just kind of had this sense in my soul that I was supposed to go, that, that God wanted to do something kind of significant with that trip. I didn't know what, but it just felt like the thing God wanted me to do. And it was actually right after Christmas, it was the day after Christmas, I started having kind of some weird physical symptoms. I didn't know what they were, what was going on. And, and some of you who know me well know that self-care is not my strong suit. At that point, I didn't even have a doctor. Uh, so I didn't have anybody I could call. I actually like called my mom and she's like, I don't know. I went to the CVS Minute Clinic. They were like, Rrr. so I was like, well, and I tried a whole bunch of home remedies to take care of it, didn't work. Uh, but about a week went by, they were still persisting and um, Funny story I can tell you later of how it did get diagnosed, but turns out I had shingles. And I'd had it for about a week. And so because I didn't have a doctor, I, I went to urgent care and they kind of were like, well, you know, you gotta take care of this medically, you gotta catch it quick, right, if you know how shingles works. So, you know, they were kind of like, there's not much medically we can do for you. That was on a Saturday. We were supposed to be leaving for Egypt, I think the following Friday or Saturday. And I happened to have that Sunday off from being at church here, and so I went to a, a neighboring church that I enjoy worshiping at sometimes, and one of, part of their practice is every week they offer a, a laying on of hands time of prayer. And so I had this case of shingles, and, and parenthetically, the doctor said, like, if this is still going on, like, we don't want you traveling across the globe to Egypt. That's probably not going to be a good idea. So I wasn't sure what to do, and, and so I went to this church, and they offered this time of prayer, and I kind of thought, well, what, nothing to lose. Maybe I'll go and ask for prayer for these shingles. And so I went forward and kind of nervously asked for prayer, for healing, and, and they prayed. And, and I will tell you, in the moment, um, I, it was in my, my, on my head, and I felt this very warm, kind of tingling sensation more, you know, just in that space, which was like, hmm, that's strange. But then the prayer ended, and the day went on, and everything was the same. Well, okay. But then Monday happened, and it got a little better. Tuesday happened, I went and saw the doctor, and he said, well, I, we'll see, I'm not sure. If you're leaving Friday, or if leaving Saturday, I want to see you Friday to make sure you're okay. And each day, and each day, it got a little better, and a little better, and I saw him on Friday, and he said, you're clear to go. Natural healing process of the body in a week? Possibly. Doctors say unlikely. It's not shingles don't normally heal up that fast when just kind of random consequence. Possibly. Or a gracious, powerful God answering a big, expectant prayer. I can't prove it. But by faith, it's, I believe it. It seems to me that, that in that moment, in my own nervousness, going to God to ask for that big, expectant prayer, God answered, and God healed. Sometimes God does say yes to our big, expectant prayers. But just as often, sometimes the answer is no. Or sometimes, wait. 
And that is a lot harder. And I, I will tell you that it's fearing that kind of answer. It keeps me from praying at all sometimes. You know, I've told you lots of times before about my mom's lifelong battle with bipolar disorder, and you better believe she has prayed. She has prayed for that disease to be healed, and she has sensed from God that the answer is no. But I have to say, it's never just been no and nothing else, right? God has been very present to my mom in the midst of her illness, very gracious, very full of love, very faithful to her, which she feels like the things that she has experienced from God, even in the midst of the answer being no, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be who she is. She wouldn't know the God that she knows. She wouldn't experience the goodness of God the way that she has had the answer been yes. That doesn't mean it's been easy. There are no simple solutions to the problem of unanswered prayer. And I know that there are a lot of people today who are dealing with that. You've prayed for something and it hasn't happened. Or you've prayed for something not to happen, and it did. And you don't know why. Well, I hope it brings some measure of comfort to know that Jesus prayed that way too. We're going to look at it and, and learn from Jesus' last prayer in his final moments in that Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to look more closely at that prayer in the final week of this series. That time that Jesus, knowing full well that the cross is what lay before him, he cried out to his Father and said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to face this. Please, just let there be another way. I said, Father, if you're willing, let this cup be taken from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. It's essentially the same thing Jesus is saying in, in this Lord's Prayer that we know so well, in which we're taught to pray intimately and expectantly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But ultimately, Jesus teaches us to pray with complete surrender. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the thing is, we've all got these kingdoms. Or at least we like to think we do. I like to think I am the queen of my own kingdom, the queen of my day, the queen of my schedule, the queen of my relationships, of my job, of my money, everything. I am the queen of my kingdom, and I know how I want things to go. And so really, it's really, really tempting for me to say, for me to pray, my kingdom come. God, if you could just make my day go like this, if you could make people around me do this, help me accomplish this, help get there be money in my, my bank account to go from this to this, make my kingdom come, make my will be done. But if you think about it, it's interesting. When we pray that, when we pray, my kingdom come, my will be done, we're essentially saying to the eternal, almighty, all-knowing, all-loving God of the universe who loves us so much, he invites us to pray to him as father, we're telling him that we know best. That we who, who live on this earth for a max 70, 80, 90 years, and we're a blip and we are gone, we're telling God that my kingdom matters most really think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
if we want to pray in a way that makes a difference, if we want to pray in a way that we can feel God moving, that we can actually experience God answering our prayers, if we want to pray in a way that connects us to God more deeply than we ever have before, we would do well to learn from Jesus. So I want to encourage you today to just try it this next week. Try praying this way. Get, get rid of the tie and the rubber bands and the emergency kit and, and start praying the way that Jesus prayed. Remember, who we are praying to has so much power to affect how and what we pray. So follow Jesus' prayers. Pray with complete surrender. Know that you are praying to a God who knows best and has the power to give you what's best, even if you don't understand. Offer up your prayers with open hands, asking God for his will to be done, even if it's not what you want. Pray with surrender. Pray with expectancy. What's that one big thing that you want, that one giant thing that you can't do on your own that you need God's help to fulfill? Can you turn that over to God? Can you take the risk to ask God, whether it's for, for healing or help, for provision, for whatever it is, for yourself or for somebody that you love? What is a prayer that only God can answer? And then pray intimately. Before you even start praying, imagine God as the most loving, powerful, comforting Father that you can imagine, even, or perhaps even especially if your human father has left you wanting. Let yourself picture God as the ideal father, the father, father who wants nothing more than to hold you in his arms and to shower you with love. So let's turn to that God in prayer together. Jesus, we thank you for this invitation that we continue to say yes to, to follow Jesus together. We thank you that we've been able to learn from your teaching this year, and now that we get to learn from your praying. Thank you for inviting us to come just as we are with everything we need before your throne of grace, knowing that you will meet us in our time of need. Lord, our world is hard right now. It is hard to know what to do, where to turn, what to think, what's going to happen on each day. We are filled with anxiety for so many things. It's hard to know even what to ask for. Lord, we pray for that ability to hold on to your hand, to be wrapped in your arms, to know that each day there is nothing that we will face that is out of your control, nothing that we encounter that you cannot handle, even if we can't. We do pray for those among us who are most deeply and profoundly affected by the continued presence of the coronavirus. We pray for those who are sick and hospitalized, whose body is being attacked by this virus. We pray for your healing hand to be upon each one. We pray for nurses and doctors and hospital staff. Lord, 
If anyone needs your strengthening power, it is them. We pray that they would know that the fight is not theirs alone, that they are comforted and strengthened and sustained by the God of the universe. Lord, we pray for teachers, school administrators, and staff who are being bombarded with questions and concerns and anxieties and people not always behaving in the way that they should. Pray that they would receive your comfort and your care as they are doing their very best in a very unknown time. We pray for parents of young kids, especially children who have not yet been able to be vaccinated, who are very nervous right now. And pray that you would give them wisdom and courage and comfort to care for their kids in the best way they can. We pray for our kids who, though so resilient, feel the effects of a changing world and the losses that have gone with it. And pray that we would have great compassion for their smaller souls who are growing up in a world very different than we did. And pray that you would, for so many kids who are exhibiting so many symptoms of anxiety and stress and depression, that you would come along and be their comfort that you would surround them with adults and peers who bring them joy and hope, to know that they have a life that is worth living. Lord, we pray for our church, that we would continue to worship you, to serve you, to love you and one another and this community that surrounds us. Nothing can defeat your church, Lord Jesus. So continue to guide us, to sustain us, to empower us to be your hands and feet. All this and more. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.